Welcome to the 757 Renaissance Fan Podcast. On this episode, we chop it up with Shayna Sampson-Wiggins. Shayna is a licensed clinical social worker, an author, and a toddler mom. We talk about staying in your lane, doing it for likes, church versus therapy, being married to the musician Aaron Wiggins, and therapist getting therapy. Let's have a conversation with Shayna Wiggins. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We're back to you today with another episode. Today, I am here with Shana Wiggins. Shana is a licensed clinical social worker, a business owner, and a mom of a very busy toddler. One of my favorite toddlers. How how are you doing today? I'm well, how are you? I am awesome. So I uh, spoke with you earlier and I think that there's something on your mind um, that we need to talk about. Um, I know earlier when I mentioned it, um, I said that my biggest concern for us um, and not just us, but us as a generation, us as a group of people um, is that we don't stay in our lane. And we are so busy and so focused on what everybody else is doing. And we're comparing ourselves to everybody else that it causes so much anxiety and it can cause depression symptoms. And we don't realize how sometimes if we would just focus on ourselves and stop looking at what everybody else is doing, because we don't know the trials and the struggles and everything else that they have been through to get to that point. Um, And we also don't know what God's plan is for them, as well as if we're so focused on everybody else's way, we're not focusing on what God has for us. Um, So that is my thing. I am a proponent of staying in your lane and understanding and getting to the root of what your lane is. Um, And for a lot of people, it's going to take a minute. It's going to take some time. Um, For me in my business, my husband can tell you, I have been talking about going into business for myself for years. Um, I have been to, I know you had Rhonda on the show. I've been to several of her entrepreneurship workshops. Um, I have been to so many trainings about what to do. I have been in other people's lanes looking at, at them and saying, oh, I'm, I'm 34. I should be doing this. I'm not. But it, it wasn't my lane and it wasn't my time. And I think if we as a people stayed in our lane and did what we were supposed to do, um, and functioned in our gifts instead of trying to function in other people's gifts, we would live so much happier lives. Do you think the rise of social media has a hand to play in that? Of course. Of course. I, yeah, social media is the biggest killer of joy and satisfaction of what we have and the killer of gratefulness because we're so busy comparing ourselves to other people and what other people have and what other people are doing that we don't focus on what we have and what we're doing. Um, And I mean, it sucks, but that is the world that we live in. Um, And that's why I'm such a big proponent of therapy, not just because I'm a therapist, but sometimes 
we need somebody to have those conversations with and for somebody to remind you, okay, well, what are you doing? What is going well in your life? What are you doing that is successful? Um, And helping get to the root of maybe there's some trauma in our lives that we've experienced in childhood or even in adulthood that we are not uh, processing or going through appropriately that's hindering us from getting to where we want to be. So instead of us looking at everybody else and what they're doing, we should be focusing on what we need to get through in order to get to where we want to be. Because there may be something even greater than they have in store for us. But we're too busy looking at other people that we can't even get what we got to get done. Exactly. Sometimes you got to do what you need to do for yourself and not for the likes. Right, right. So uh, I know that we we both attend the same church. Mm-hmm. And um, I know you are active in the church as much as Aaliyah lets you be. Right. (laughs) What is your correlation with church and therapy? Because a lot of times, especially with our people, when I say our people, I mean Black people, they intertwine the two. Like, I don't need therapy because I'm going to church. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to church and, you know, that's my therapy for this week. Right. Right. And, you know, only if it worked like that. And for some people, it may that their symptoms may not be severe. They may not have experienced any trauma or grief in their life that they need to process with anyone else. So for some people, you know, if that's what works for you, then fine. Um, My thing is, is that therapy and whatever your religious beliefs go hand in hand. Um, Yes, I can sit and I can pray and I can talk to God and read his word. Um, But sometimes there's something extra that is needed. That conversation with someone might be needed. That uh, talk therapy might be needed where you actually just sit down and talk to someone about how you're feeling and you get feedback. Um, Because a lot of the time, even though you can sit and talk to church members, church family, Um, You can sit and talk to God. Um, Sometimes that feedback is needed, but also in therapy, you get interventions that you can utilize in real life. Um, So if you're struggling with anxiety, a therapist will sit and help you identify what those triggers are that are triggering your anxiety. They'll help you understand where the anxiety is coming from, um, and they will give you appropriate strategies and techniques to get through life. So that your symptoms of whatever disorder you may be experiencing symptoms of don't impact you to the point where you are not able to function and live your best life. Um, And the other thing about it is that just like anything else, having a mental health disorder is just like having high blood pressure to me. And some people don't agree, Um, but there are things that a doctor can treat you for. And yes, you can pray and ask God and, you know, all of these things. But if you don't take the medication that the doctor prescribes, you may not get better. Right. And just like with therapy, if I, as your therapist, am talking to you and providing you with interventions to help you be successful and help you live your best life, and you don't want to listen or you don't want to participate in therapy at all, you know, you may not get to that point. Because feedback is necessary. Interventions are necessary. 
just like a doctor would give an intervention, it goes the same way with therapy. I'm going to be talking to a couple of therapists um, over these next couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. And with that said, I want to play doc- I want to play devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. What would you say to the person that says, I don't need therapy because I'm not crazy? <laughs> um, I think we need to get away from the word crazy because what what is crazy? What do, what does that mean? Um, you know, and therapy is not for everybody. I am, of course, a proponent of therapy. I want everybody to take advantage of therapy. Um, but therapy for everybody may look different. Um, for some people, going to a yoga and meditation session is therapy for them. Um, so whatever therapy looks like for you is what you may need to meet your needs and for you to be able to function. Um, and I keep saying it, but live your best life because that's the whole goal. Um, and that's my goal as a therapist is that I want you to live your best life in whatever capacity, in whatever way that looks for you. Um, is what you should do. But I don't think you should knock it before you try it, if that makes sense. Okay. Okay. So what about the person who says, I don't want to go to therapy because I don't want to strange you all up in my business? <laughs> um, I mean, for me, I think that that's difficult for our population. I think that there are a lot of people who know therapist and know um, somebody that they would recommend. Um, So I have a lot of referrals from people that I know. Um, And majority of the time when you know somebody and you know, well, they say, well, I know this person and they're really good and I feel like they could help you. Um, You feel more connected with that person. And the whole part in the beginning of therapy is building a rapport so that you don't feel like you're talking to a stranger. Um, and that is part of the process of therapy. Um, so even if you feel like going in, I don't want to do it because I don't want to tell a stranger all of my business, try it. Because once you build that rapport with a therapist, if you have a good therapist, it won't feel like you're talking to a stranger. Right, right. So what got you into therapy? Um, I got my bachelor's degree in social work in 2008. And I have literally worked in almost every area of social work. Um, And although I enjoyed every area, um, as far as working for social services, working for CPS, APS, um, Department of Social Services in their eligibility programs, um, working for, um, medical facilities, any and everything you can think of in social work I've done. Um, for me, I wanted to get to the root of a lot of the issues that I was seeing on a daily basis. Um, so, you know, meeting with somebody who is suffering from depression symptoms, who's struggling with getting up every day and going to work and doing the small task, um, taking care of their children, doing the bare minimum. I wanted to get to the root of that, which was addressing their depression symptoms, 
Um, and again, helping them get to the point to where they felt like they were living their best life. And I felt like I couldn't always do that in some of the roles that I was in. So for me, I wanted to work with the individuals, with the families, um, to help them get to the root of the concern. And I just felt like I couldn't do that in some of the other areas I was in. Okay. Okay. Where'd you go to school? I am a Spartan for life. Behold um, the green yes, and gold. The green and gold. I'm rocking a little gold today. I see. Um, but yes, I got my bachelor's from Norfolk State University. I got my master's in urban education from Norfolk State University. And I got my master's in social work from Norfolk State University. Oh, triple threat. Okay. <laughs> So um, how do, how was your experience at Norfolk State? That's one of the things I also um, want to um, explore during this journey. I'm taking podcasting, mm-hmm. um, you know, hence the name 757 Renaissance Man. I try to talk about or at least relate to things from this area. Mm-hmm. And we have a very large HBCU area. I think we're we're very unique where within 30 miles you have three at mm-hmm. least yeah three we're counting um norfolk state amp university and elizabeth city mm-hmm. am i missing one you ain't one. and if you go a little bit further you can get virginia union right too. right um so how was your experience going to and uh you went to high school in virginia beach yeah so coming from high school in Virginia Beach, going to Norfolk State, what were some of your experiences? Did you have anything that was eye-opening or did it teach you more about yourself? Um, I went to Lansdown High School, which I considered at that time a pretty diverse school um, for the area. I started out at Green Run and then I went to Lansdown when Lansdown was built, which tells you how old I am. Um, but I feel like it was pretty diverse. So my transition from high school to college wasn't, I didn't have a culture shock or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't stay on campus when I was at Norfolk State. Um, so for me, I had an amazing educational experience. Uh, the campus life, I can't really speak to. I wish that I could. Um, But when I was in college, I was really focused on my education, getting in and getting out. Um, So I don't really have the the campus life experience that I wish I had. But, um, you know, I saw and experienced some great things while I was there. The School of Social Work, the SNR Strong School of Social Work is amazing. Um, I just I feel like the way that I flourished and grew in that program from my bachelor's degree to my master's degree, as well as all of the support that the teachers, professors, and staff give you once you leave um, is amazing. It is amazing. I would recommend to any and everyone to go to Norfolk State, especially for the social work program, because it is a top-ranked school for social work in not just this area, but nationwide. Awesome. So tell me, um, you are a new author now. 
<laughs> what was it like writing your first book? Um, it was eye opening. How, how long did it take you? Um, I started when the pandemic started. Um, and I just released it this month. Um, it is part one, raising an amazing kid. Um, but what my whole goal was in writing it is I currently outside of my private practice is I run an evidence-based program. And one of the things that I realized is that a lot of our caregivers and parents struggle with the psychoeducation aspect of understanding where their child is developmentally. And this book is kind of like a synopsis of, you know, all of the ages, um, you know, how to deal with your young child or how to deal with your teenager, what some of the things are that they may need, as well as strategies to assist, especially if they have experienced any sort of trauma, um, just to provide some psychoeducational support. So that is part one. So there are other parts to come. Um, that will provide specific interventions on how to address different things in dealing with all age ranges. Um, but the process was not as bad. I have learned a lot. Um, even in releasing it, I've gotten some really good feedback on what I should do differently next time. Um, so I'm taking it all in stride, utilizing it as a learning process. Um, but it's been a, a really good experience. And, you know, I didn't do it for the money. <laughs> um, I did it genuinely because I wanted to share the knowledge. And yes, you can Google any and everything, but I feel like it's nothing like having something in one place that can give you some guidance and details and structures so you have a base on where to start. Did you find that it was easier to start because of the pandemic? Um, honestly, I think part of what I said in the beginning about staying in your own lane, um, I don't know if it was because I was turning 34 or, you know, I don't, I don't know what it was. I don't think that it had much to do with the pandemic, but I think that I had a refocused moment where I had to look at myself and say, you know, I have this notebook full of things that I envision doing and seeing myself doing and things that I want to put out and ways that I want to be able to impact the community. Um, and I hadn't done it. And on top of that, I have some really amazing friends and an amazing husband who pushed me to have the things that I've talked to them about come to fruition. So I think it's a combination of all of those things that kind of helped me get to where I am right now. And what's the title of your book? Raising Amazing Kids. It's part one, Understanding Growth and Development. Um, and the children's book, Mommy Teach Me How to Pray, will be out next month. All righty now. Now, would it be a forward from Aaliyah? No, not yet. Me and my husband are supposed to be working on a children's book series. So hopefully by the time that comes out, she will uh, be able to have her input on that one. <laughs> For all of you who don't know, Shayna's husband is Aaron Wiggins, mm -hmm. 
who was my very first interview on the podcast. So how is it having a musician for a husband? Um, it is interesting, but uh, me and Aaron have known each other since middle high school. Um, we got married in our early 20s. Um, so I knew what I was signing up for. Um, okay. I knew what I was getting when I married him. It is not always easy being married to a musician especially because his heart is always in music, his heart in his head. Um, and I think that having a daughter kind of helped calm it down a little bit in reference to him doing any and everything. Um, I think that he is more focused now and what he wants and where he wants to go and where he sees himself as not only a musician, but an amazing producer, singer, songwriter. Um, and now we have a daughter who sings all day, every day. Um, so, I mean, I've just, I love it and I've come to love it even more because I know that that is his heart. That is what God has put in him and put on him. Um, and I think if he just stays in his lane, um, there will be so many amazing things and doors that are going to open for him. Um, and when you guys see me riding in my Bentley that he bought me, you know, <laughs> you'll know what it was. <laughs> so how is it being a, a married therapist? Do you have to separate being a wife from the therapist from time to time? Or does being a therapist help with your relationship? I think a little bit of both. I think it helps and it hinders. Um you know, nobody wants to be psychoanalyzed 24 hours, seven days a week. Um, and not that I do that, but sometimes it's, it's a part of the life that I live. I think that it helps me be a better mother. It helps me to be more self-aware of the things that I do and the things that people do around me. Um, and it helps me be more empathetic to what people are feeling around me. Um, so, and I'm not going to sit here and say that me and my husband have the perfect marriage and that I'm the perfect mother. Um, but it helps me to be aware of what I need to work on um, within myself. So. Okay. So does the therapist ever need therapy? Of course. If your therapist don't have a therapist, you might need to find another therapist um, <laughs> because we're all human. And the thing with, therapist is that we sit and we listen to everyone's um, concerns all day for eight hours, 10 hours a day. Um, and if your therapist is not talking to somebody um, and having that conversation and, you know, being able to have that person that they can decompress and, um, you know, just do exactly what we're asking somebody to do with us with then, you know, sometimes they may have traumas. They may be impacted by some of the things that they hear that they still need to be able to release. Um, so yes, therapists should have a therapist. Yes. Just like pastors have pastors. Um, right. it, it's, it's a circle. You can't pour from an empty cup. And if we continue to pour and nobody is filling us up, then, you know, we're going to be empty and we're not going to be able to give our best to the families and individuals that we serve. 
if you can give any message to anybody out there listening, what would you tell them now? Besides stay in your lane, um, mm-hmm. love you. I am a big proponent of self-love, self-care, self-awareness, self-worth, self-esteem, um, because I don't think that it's a focus for us enough to where we realize how it impacts our everyday life, how looking in the mirror um, and you don't see something that's valuable and beautiful and amazing and wonderful, how that impacts your outlook on life, how it impacts how you treat people, how it impacts how you treat yourself and take care of yourself. Um, So love you, fall in love with the person that you see in the mirror. Um, and that's why I posted a video of my daughter. Um, she has a business called Nicole by Nicole. And one of the things that we are working on is mirror affirmation stickers. Because when you look in the mirror, if your first thought is, hey, girl, I'm beautiful. You know, I want you to have something somewhere on your mirror to reinforce that you're beautiful, to reinforce how you feel about yourself. Because like I said, it impacts us on a daily basis. You know, if we're not looking in the mirror and saying, oh, I look good, you know, I'm beautiful, I'm smart, I'm kind, I'm amazing. If you're not reinforcing those things into yourself, you know, a lot of the times it's the negative thoughts that we're reinforcing. Oh, I need to lose weight. Oh, I need to go get my eyebrows done. Oh, my hair looks a mess. You know, oh, you know, whatever those things are that are being reinforced, if it's not positive, you know, in some way or another, it can have a negative impact on your life, on your day, on your um, relationships with other people. So it's important. I try to share that with my daughter, um, but right now she's 13. Mm-hmm. And that her, her, her self-image changes minute by minute. Mm-hmm. Like some minutes, oh yes, I'm the greatest. <laughs> then that pimple pops up, and then oh my god, daddy, mm-hmm. I can't go outside. People are gonna see me. <laughs> what advice do you have for me as a father with a 13 year old daughter that is full of emotions? Mm-hmm. Continue to reinforce your positivity. Continue to reinforce your love for her. Um, and continue to have her reinforce that in herself. Um, Because I think the biggest thing is that even though teenagers are teenagers, um, you continuing to say that will stick. So for me, having the conversations with my dad when I was younger, um, for him to say, I love you, for him to say, oh, you're beautiful. Those are the things that I remember. So even though it was long ago, even though it may have been in passing, you know, my love for myself was reinforced because of the love that I received from the people around me. The continuation of them saying and affirming in me that I was smart, that I was beautiful. I mean, you know, I could have been dumb as dumb could be, you know, I could have said something real off the wall and my dad would laugh and be like, okay, you're smart. You're beautiful. I I got you. (laughs) You know, and those are the type of things that we need because a lot of times we don't get that reinforcement in the community. You know, kids joke around and be like, oh, you dumb, you stupid. 
um, you know, oh, she got a pimple, oh, this, oh, that. So if we're not receiving it from somewhere and the only thing that we're taking in and consuming are the negative things that we're hearing around us, um, you know, those are the things that are going to stick. So as a parent, continuing to reinforce the positive things that they're doing, continuing to reinforce the beauty that you see as their parent is, you know, the best advice, the best thing that I could say as a parent to do. That is great. Okay, so I want you to plug your business. What is the name and how can people find you? Okay, Um, my business is called Transformative Therapeutic Services. Um, The website is www.transformativeservicesba.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, Transformative Services, um, for both. Um, And I think that's it. I offer uh, MSW and BSW um, mentoring services. So I remember what it was like when I was in undergrad and grad school needing the support of somebody who was already in the field. Um, So I do offer that. I do not charge for any of the services that I provide outside of um, therapy. But um, I also provide community resources. Um, Community resources that can be slim pickings and sometimes it's hard to identify where you can get support from. Um, so I do offer that, um, and you can sign up for that on the website. Awesome. I really enjoyed our chat today. Um, hopefully we can have you back again. Like I said, I want to do a series Mm -hmm. with, um, mental health professionals, because I feel like that is something that is misunderstood commonly, commonly in our community. I agree. I completely agree. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem. Everybody, this is Shana Wiggins, and we are out.